0: two policemen in a sharp look of flashing scorn, and in the next instant she had turned and vanished through the door. Seen across the long stretch of years, the thing had more the appearance of an outpouring of pent-up fury than of an overflow of grief for her dead father, though she had been, Irene admitted, fond enough of him in her own rather cat-like way. Cat-like. Certainly that was the word which best described Clare Kendry, if any single word could describe her. Sometimes she was hard and apparently without feeling at all. Sometimes she was affectionate and rashly impulsive. And there was about her an amazing soft malice, hidden well away until provoked. Then she was capable of scratching, and very effectively too or, driven to anger, she would fight with a ferocity and impetuousness that disregarded or forgot any danger, superior strength, numbers, or other unfavorable circumstances. How savagely she had clawed those boys the day they had hooted her parent and sung a derisive rhyme of their own composing which pointed out certain eccentricities in his careening gait. And how deliberately she had—Irene brought her thoughts back to the present— to the letter from Clare Kendry, that she still held unopened in her hand. With a little feeling of apprehension, she very slowly cut the envelope, drew out the folded sheets, spread them, and began to read. It was, she saw at once, what she had expected since learning from the postmark that Clare was in the city, an extravagantly phrased wish to see her again. Well, she needn't, and wouldn't, Irene told herself, accede to that nor would she assist Clare to realize her foolish desire to return for a moment to that life which long ago, and of her own choice, she had left behind her. She ran through the letter, puzzling out, as best she could, the carelessly formed words or making instinctive guesses at them. For I am lonely, so lonely. Cannot help longing to be with you again, as I have never longed for anything before, and I have wanted many things in my life. You can't know how, in this pale life of mine, I am all the time seeing the bright pictures of that other that I once thought I was glad to be free of. It's like an ache, a pain that never ceases. Sheets upon thin sheets of it. And finally ending with, And it's your fault, Reen dear, at least partly, for I wouldn't now, perhaps, have this terrible, this wild desire if I hadn't seen you that time in Chicago brilliant red patches flamed in Irene Redfield's warm olive cheeks. That time in Chicago. The words stood out from among the many paragraphs of other words, bringing with them a clear, sharp remembrance, in which even now, after two years, humiliation, resentment, and rage were mingled. End of Chapter One Passing by Nella Larson. Part 1. Chapter 2. This is what Irene Redfield remembered. Chicago. August. A brilliant day. Hot, with a brutal staring sun pouring down rays that were like molten rain. A day on which the very outlines of the building shuddered as if in protest at the heat. Quivering lines sprang up from baked pavements and wriggled along the shining car tracks. The automobiles parked at the curbs were a dancing blaze, and the glass of the shop windows threw out a blinding radiance. Sharp particles of dust rose from the burning sidewalks, stinging the seared or dripping skins of wilting pedestrians. What small breeze there was seemed like the breath of a flame fanned by slow bellows. It was on that day of all others that Irene set out to shop for the things which she had promised to take home from Chicago to her two small sons, Brian, Junior, and Theodore. Characteristically, she had put it off until only a few crowded days remained of her long visit, and only this sweltering one was free of engagements till the evening. Without too much trouble, she had got the mechanical airplane for Junior but the drawing-book, for which Ted had so gravely and insistently given her precise directions, had sent her in and out of five shops without success. It was while she was on her way to a sixth place that right before her smarting eyes a man toppled over and became an inert crumpled heap on the scorching cement. About the lifeless figure a little crowd gathered. Was the man dead, or only faint? someone asked her. But Irene didn't know and didn't try to discover. She edged her way out of the increasing crowd, feeling disagreeably damp and sticky.